bring on like some 70s music for Ronnie Lowe? Is that what that, that is, Duke? Slow down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that uh, That takes the guy back for sure. And uh, let's elevate our game too by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Uh, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Uh, Forbes best rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit TrustRam.com for more information as we welcome in Ron Lowe to the program. Morning, Ron. You're with uh, Kevin Carey, Grant Fuhrer. How's it going? Very good, boys. How's everything over there? Doing well here and down in uh, Palm Desert as well. Things are good down here. <laughs> I was I was wishing I was down in Palm Desert right now, but it hasn't been all that bad up here, I'll tell you that. It's been good, hasn't it, Ronnie? It's been pretty good. But So you just come off of the hip surgery. How are, how are you? Well, I just figured it out. It's 122 steps around my uh, bottom floor of my house. And I figure if Linda hooks a broom to me, I can become a Roomba. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. Uh, It's it's a pain in the butt, but uh, you know what? The real pain's gone, and the one that's there now is going to be gone pretty soon. So I'm going to be almost as good as uh, Grant. I just hope I come back and can hit the ball like he can. Well, and you guys golf together a lot. You guys were just at the in, in Red Deer. Is that correct, right? That's what you were saying, Grant? Yeah, I saw him in Red Deer. I saw him at the Ranger game up at Edmonton. So, oh. But, yeah, that, I'm looking forward to you getting back golfing again. <laughs> hey, man, so am I. I just, uh, well... When I get through all this, it'd be about eight weeks, and uh, maybe you get to head down to Phoenix, and I'll drive across and catch up for a game. We're supposed to play for two years down there. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. We're all heading the other way, so yeah, it, it, we'll make yeah, it work great, either way. Great uh, idea, uh, Ron Lowe, uh, Grant Fear with us on Sports fourteen forty. So, uh, Ronnie, do you remember the first time you met Grant when he came to the Oilers uh, as a draft pick in the early eighties? Oh yeah, I do. Yep, I do remember, and I watched him the first day of training camp, and I said, well, there goes my job. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, had one of those attitudes that you just know from the Mm get-go that, uh, I mean, serious, as serious gets when serious has to be serious, and other than that, like to play the game and uh, kind of uh, I liken them to me in one respect there's never a goal that went in and practice that he was happy about Mm -hmm. so Ron uh, I'll kind of go the other way then so with Grant so Grant when you came in Ron was you know already kind of established in the league he was here got traded to the Oilers in 1980 so he was part of the first ever team so you come in a couple of years later so just your your first thoughts of having a you know an experienced uh, kind of uh, you know veteran presence uh, type of guy that you came into the Oilers family oh no I'm my first roommate so more importantly, <laughs> so no, and Ronnie was, allowed me to get comfortable in the game and no better person to follow his practice habits and just to learn everything from. I mean, I think that was the great thing is it treated me phenomenal right from day one. And the fact that I got to learn from him made me a better goalie. Mm-hmm. So, Ron, when you came here, you were traded from uh, Quebec to to the Oilers. It was the first year 
the Oilers were in the National Hockey League. What was that experience like just to see, I guess, kind of coming in from right at the ground floor and, and to see guys like Wayne Gretzky right off the hop? Well, first of all, I, I'll explain to you the trade from Quebec to uh, to Edmonton um, when the non-French guys were in uh, Quebec. We had a calendar on the wall, and we X'd off the calendar each day as hostages. And I was the one that got away at the tread day deadline. And Ronnie Chipper Putfield came back to uh, Quebec for me. And when I walked into the coach's office, Jacques Demare says, Ronnie, I've got such bad news for you. We're trading you at Edmonton today. And uh, they're eight points behind or behind us in the standings. It's it's too bad. And I swear to God, this is a fact. You can get it checked out. I punched a hole in the roof of his office. <laughs> I said, Jock, you've just made me the happiest man in Western Canada. Thank you <laughs> very much. Went out that night. They outshot us. I think forty-two to twelve. And we beat him 3-1. Thank you. <laughs> Best day of my life, uh, except when I had my two babies. Oh, great story. Great story. Um, so, I mean, you guys shared all these stories then, Grant, too. Like, you know, as you said, you were rooming together. You must have, uh, you know, swapped a lot of all these, uh, you know, things just like that. Just what uh, Ronnie was just talking about in, in Jacques Demir's office. Yeah, I mean, that's the fun part. And at that time, I was just a wide-eyed 18-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. So I, the more you could learn, the better it was going to be. And I think that was the fun part of spending time with Ronnie, rooming with Ronnie. Was I tried to soak in as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And without that help, it would have made my first year a lot harder. Go ahead, Ronnie. You want to just kind of touch on that, just sort of when Grant came in again? Well, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I knew mm-hmm. uh, you don't get first-round draft picks uh, that are goalies very often in the world. And um, I'm checking back on Barry Fraser's records. He didn't make a hell of a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, like I said, it was, Fierzy was, was really easy to, and he asked advice, which I really couldn't give him any because his, style of game was totally different than mine he played on his knees when he wanted to he played stand-up when he wanted to uh probably one of the closest guys to glenn hall i've ever seen Hmm. and like i couldn't play that if i went down on my knees i'd never get up and my groins would both be snapped in pieces so it was uh it wasn't anything you could teach but the kid like i said in practice, if you if you practice hard every day, the games are are the the actual probably the fun part. Mm-hmm. Practice is is work, and where, where you say, you know what, I'm going to try to go through the day without getting scored on. Well, with the group we had here, that's why Fierzy became such a great goaltender because of Glenn's tic tac toe methods in practice, where mm-hmm. he moved the puck around. It was like a whirlwind. You can imagine if it's five on oh, what they did to people that was five on five, <laughs> and Fierzy would not allow them to score. And it was uh, like that's what I mean. It, it was a different time, different era. I get all of that, 
but the uh, ability to shut the door. And that's why Grant was always great. He might let in a shitty goal. We all did. But when it came time to shut the door, except when Steve Smith scored on him. (laughs) Other than that one, I never saw him let in a bad goal when it was crucial and on the line. And that one there, he had no idea what had just taken place. Mm -hmm. Grant? I'll agree with that part. That one we're not real sure of. (laughs) No, and I I laugh because sitting watching the Ranger game, sitting with Ronnie and Davey Hutter, we all still see the game the same way. I mean, and that's the fun part is I learned from Ronnie's an 18-year-old kid, and I'd like to say I'm a little older than 18 now, but at the same time, we still see the game the same way, and it's been a few years. Mm-hmm. Low Tide, the goalies, that when you came here, you know, there were a lot of goalies that kind of at that in the first couple of years before Grant got here. I mean, some of those guys like Eddie Mio and, and uh, you know, Jimmy Corsi, just kind of can you touch on uh, – what it was like when you came and you had, you know, there were a lot of guys that were playing and goal for the Oilers in the first couple of years. Yeah, I had, uh, I was kind of unfortunate. I had, uh, that was probably the best I'd ever played in my life was the last 12 or 13 games of that season. I think we went 11, one and one. And it's the best goal I've ever played. And like I said, I was, totally enlightened by getting out of Quebec. I, I didn't like it there. I, I couldn't speak French and I was kind of a probably a dumb Westerner. I didn't try very hard and that's bad on me but by the same token I kind of am what I am and I, I don't know it just um, the goaltenders that were here the only one I really played with outside of Grant and Andy was uh, Eddie Meal. And Eddie was just a terrific guy, too. We uh, had a lot of fun together, and uh, he could play the game. I was, um, like I said, I've been in unfortunate the second year I broke my thumb uh, in training camp, which didn't, it didn't help things very well. Yeah. I got it sewed up and went down to, I think it was Wichita we played, and... I think third day into practice down there, tore the splint off the thumb and was out the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I missed that almost that whole year. Hmm. What about uh, your your career in Washington? I mean, you started in Toronto, uh, low tide, but I think you probably played the most games for the Capitals. That was a tough time in Washington because the Capitals had some tough, tough teams in the sense of... Uh, <clears throat> You know, the talent level maybe not wasn't there, but what was your experience like to play, I guess, in Washington when you're just kind of getting off the ground here as a franchise in the NHL? You know, I can always kind of go back to the, to the same thing. I'm a farm boy from Manitoba, and there's no such thing as tough times on a rink. Mm-hmm. Absolutely none. I mean, you want to see tough times, see a farmer go out and... Uh, crops and wait for rain and it doesn't come and uh, you've got mouths to feed that's tough times playing goal in the NHL was a bloody dream come true and I didn't care if we won eight games or whatever we did during the year I was playing in the National Hockey League and it's kind of a funny deal but when you think about that there's a starter there you're one of 30 people in the world Mm -hmm. and Grant can allude to the same thing man it's uh, one of the toughest things in the world to do 
And hey, I was proud to be able to do it. And our teams weren't great, but you know what? We were in the NHL. So I wasn't in the American League, and I was one of the happiest people in the world just to be playing there. Mm -hmm. Grant? Less than 30 jobs at that time. I think there was only 18 teams. So only 18 jobs. Yeah. So when you think about that, when you think about that, at that time, you're one of 18 of the best in the world at what you do. It's hard to have bad days. I think that's the fun part. And I mean, when I first got to Edmonton, Ronnie there, Andy Moog was there, you had Gary Edwards, Eddie Mio. Uh, who else do we have there? Lindsey Middlebrook. A bunch of guys that had NHL games. So I, I came at a great time to sit and just observe and watch and zero pressure. I just got to play. And I think that was a big bonus for me. Hey, Ron, when did you, when did you know or when did you think you would get into coaching? Uh, that's a really funny story because I uh, had left um, New Jersey and I finally said, you know what, I've, I'm done. Uh, that was an indication to me when you're done, the game isn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, my body was kind of breaking down. I had a really bad knee at the time. And uh, I said, hell, this, we're done. We're going to go farm. And, and went back to uh, Fox Warren. And Linda and I had a house there. And about, I don't know, it'll be about October the 18th or 19th, we were finishing up our last field of wheat combining. And come back home, and we're having a steak. And my dad and my brother are over. And Linda looks at me, and she goes, like, uh, they laughed. And she goes, like, seriously, is this what we're going to do? <laughs> I said, well, this is what we're going to do. And she goes, oh, my God, this is going to be a little bit of a different scenario. I said, yes, it is. And two days later, Sather calls, and he goes, uh, listen, we'd like you to go to oh, – no, first of all, he goes, uh, you got any ideas about what you're doing? I said, yeah, I'm farming right now. He goes, okay, have you got any idea what you're going to do? And I'm going – no, I am. I'm farming. And he goes, okay, Ronnie, here's what I got for you. He says, you can go down to the American League. Daryl Ray's down there. I'd like you to take him under your wing. You can be goalie coach, but we'll make you an assistant coach besides. So you have to get involved in uh, in uh, overall running of the team kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Larry Kish was down there at the time, head coach. And uh, I called him and asked him if he was uh, okay with it. And I came back and I said to Linda, I said, you know, either, I think we got to get serious about farming here. And she goes, you know what? I think it's best we head down to, <laughs> to Halifax. <laughs> and that's exactly how it went. I had no idea or aspirations of going into coaching whatsoever. And it ended up to be one another one of those unbelievable days. And I thank Sather for it uh, for the rest of my life. Oh, I mean, that is a good story. That I mean, that's a change where you, you don't even know where you're going, and now all of a sudden it's carved out another, you know, 15 years in the sense, 20 years of being in the NHL. So, well, no, this is what uh, Jersey and I were actually talking about this at the New York Ranger game, and I said, can you imagine I went from 18 to 62 
and in my estimation, never worked a day in my life. Every day I went to the rink was the most fun I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if we're in a 10-game yeah. uh, losing streak as a coach or as a player. I don't care. It was the most fun you could possibly have, and they paid you to do it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So a lot of texts coming in, one 1440 and um, Graham asked this one, and I'll kind of – Put uh, Oliver Steve in the same uh, in the same text, but uh, hey, Kevin, uh, it's uh, Brandon. Can you ask uh, Ron about Cujo in 1997 against the Stars? That unbelievable performance in those seven games. Uh, maybe he has a, a story to share about Cujo. We don't know. Thanks, Graham. And then to piggyback that as well, uh, Oliver Steve says loved Ron Lowe's celebration when Marchand scored the overtime winner so just if you can comment on that and then i mean i'm sure you were still watching the, all those games grant you can pony off of what uh, what low tide has to say i think that uh in in that series uh we we played our butts off but the reason we did is because we had a goaltender that kept us there and we believed in it uh cujo in my estimation was as close to Grant as you can get in competitive nature. Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, Much the same as Billy Ranford. They have the ice running through the veins when things are are really, really hectic. And Curtis could always seem to sort it out. But the save he made off of Neuendijk, I mean... When I went on the ice, I told him exactly what I thought of it. <laughs> and that's the way it is. But uh, I don't know. Like, when you go back and think about that, the teams we had in those two years or three years I was here, um, if we lost a game, you basically had to go back and check your game plan to see if it was right. Because when you gave them a game plan, they did it. And believe me, they worked and worked. I, I think Dougie Waite said it best in his uh, in his uh, ceremony there the one night. He goes, you know, I remember we beat Dallas in that game seven. And halfway through the third period, we had 116 hits. <laughs> and, like, that's how we had to win. We had to go out and we had to – and believe me, those were big guys we were playing against. We're talking about Craig Ludwig and Hatcher and mm-hmm. Zuboff. I mean, these are big men. And Todd Marchant yeah. was running the hell out of uh, Medino Hatcher yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Ugh. Grant. Yeah, no, I agree. That was yeah. Cooge was phenomenal, and I, I was lucky enough I got to coach Cooge's last couple of years in Phoenix, and still ultra competitive. And I think that was the fun part is we thought the same way. And it goes back to what I learned from Ronnie is you compete right from the first day of practice. And every day you're at the rink, you have fun with it, you enjoy it. And Cooch was that way. As he enjoyed being on the ice, he enjoyed competing, he enjoyed having fun with it. And it made it fun. And I mean, I think that's, that's the other thing is you look at the game today, some guys look like they're not having fun. Mm-hmm. Whereas we all had a good time. We enjoyed being at the rink. We enjoyed each other's company. We enjoyed being on the ice. And you could tell on those Oilers teams back then that they enjoyed each other's company and they played hard for each other. Do you see that now, Ron? I mean, what Grant is just saying, or is it just the, that's because of the, the way the game has gone? You don't see the players maybe having as much fun or is there more pressure? What are you seeing? 
Well, you know, <laughs> Kevin, I got to tell you one thing right now. Social media has killed a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. I would, uh, if, if, if I had my druthers, I'd throw every freaking cell phone away and you can catch me when you hit the lake when I'm off my boat. Yeah. But uh, no, seriously, I think that uh, it's a different, if it, it's a totally different age. I think the, the guys still actually do have fun, I think. I sure hope so, because if you're just doing it for the money, this game sucks. And... That's what I alluded to that when I said when it was over, it was over. I wasn't the last year in Jersey. I didn't have enough fun at the rink to figure I could go another year. I was offered another year by Jersey, and I turned it down because I'm going. If I'm just doing this for money, then I got to figure something else out. Because, like Grant said, I've never gone to a rink to a practice. Well, maybe when I was hung over a couple of times, <laughs> that I didn't have fun. I mean, that was the whole key. You you were going there to be with your buddies and try and shut them down, and they were trying to beat you up, and mm. that's the way life was. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the, the teams that you coached here, and we, we were discussing this too, Low Tide, about – uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the Oilers were in a tough stretch and, you know, didn't seem to be, um, you know, exercising, you know, uh, th- that standard of effort and, and everything. that And you, you know, it's always tough to question players in that sense. But I, getting back to the 97, 98, 99, 96 teams, those teams created a whole new generation of Oiler fans because of of how hard you guys worked and, and, and what, you, what it took to beat those teams like Dallas in Colorado, did you kind of know you were that was happening at the time that you were sort of creating a whole new generation of of Oiler fans because there were some dark days in you know ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, and things like that. You know, Kevin, I don't think I really did realize that until I uh, became the Oiler ambassador for a couple of years and going to suites and meeting people in uh, the loge boxes and stuff like that. I was, I mean, I, when I took over, it was when, after Semenk passed away, and mm-hmm. I was, they asked if I'd do it, and I said, sure, but I won't be Dave Semenko. I mean, nobody replaces that guy in, in any of the things he does. And it was absolutely surprising. Like I said, these people won't mm-hmm. even know who I am. <laughs> and it was so cool to go to the rink, and you'd go into a box, and all of a sudden, everybody's talking about the Dallas series or the fight with uh, Crawford on the bench and all these other things. And you're going, oh, man, like these people were there with us, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I don't think you really realized that it was going on. I mean, you know, on the flip side of that, we had some pretty damn good players, too. We had uh, we had Dougie Wade, we had Billy Guerin, we had... I mean, the, the whole team in the end was pretty good. And if you go back and look at that team that we had, mm-hmm. how many of those guys went on to be coaches and general managers? Yeah. Like, they knew the game. They thought the game. And to me, that that's a, another amazing thing from mm-hmm. that whole era. Yeah, Mike Greer, another one, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Mike know. Greer, Todd Marshad, yeah. Billy Guerin. Uh, Dougie Waite, uh, Kelly Buckberger's coaching still. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a 
ton of guys that went through that organization. Luke Richardson? Yes, yeah. Like, uh, we had a whole whack of guys that ended up extending their careers because that's the way they were. They were really good people, and they really cared about the game. Yeah. Grant, I always remember we've been doing it for all the guests that we have on your teammates. I gave you a chance to uh, open mic to ask uh, whoever it is. It's, you know, we had Billy Ranford on and all the other great friends and teammates. So um, I'm going to kind of give you the floor in one second to ask uh, Ron anything you want. But uh, I wanted to get touch on Hockey Helps the Homeless, uh, an initiative that and you and Linda have done such a remarkable job, uh, your wife Linda, to do this for many, many years I think COVID put a wrench into everything as it did many fundraisers and many, many things in our city. But can you just touch on what that's meant to you, Ron, to be involved in Hockey Helps the Homeless uh, for so many years? Well, I mean, uh, it's really funny you bring it up because uh, last night Linda went out and Louis DeBrusque and Cindy and Ben Scribbins went with a uh, group that bought a dinner from uh, that Chris Lachance had no. uh, donated at Lux Restaurant. I was supposed to go, figured I was going to be tough enough, and uh, as it turns out, I ended up in the hospital six days longer than I was supposed to, so a bit behind the eight ball, so Linda went with them, and they had a hell of a time last night at Lux, oh, and great. thanks for... Uh, Chris Lachance for that. Throw that send out and yep. thanks to Louie and Ben Scribbins. But yeah, that, the cause is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? I mean, just go down and take a walk around uh, Rogers Center, and you get. I mean, that's the the really really desperate homeless. But mm-hmm. there's homeless everywhere. Yep. I mean, there's people that can't afford freaking uh, apartments right now in. Edmonton, Calgary, and that's not even touching on what's going on in Vancouver. But the thing about Hockey Helps the Homeless that I like is that the money that's raised here stays here. And to me, that's all important. And, wow, if we can do anything to get a house over somebody's head, then it's totally worthwhile. Uh, Grant, I'll let the and the floor open to you. And, get, and you know what, Low Tide, if you've got a question for Grant that you can think of as well, that you, you probably never had this forum before, you go ahead. But, uh, Grant, the mic's yours. <laughs> okay, I got one question for you, Ronnie. Yeah. If you ever had the chance to coach again, would you do it? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this era fits my style, Grant. <laughs> In fact, in fact, I think there'd be a lot of calls to HR if I did. <laughs> I, um, uh, you know what? I'm, I, was, I was kind of a fiery person, and I probably swore a lot more than I should have. And my players understood it, and that's the way life is. Um, and anybody that had a problem with me came into my office. Uh, we sorted it out. Um, like like we had to yeah. and uh, I, I don't know if that carries on anymore so probably my answer to that would be no <laughs> that's, a, that's a quick one yeah no yeah. <laughs> can you think of anything low tide that you'd want to just maybe you haven't had the opportunity to do you know an interview with Grant or something like this that we've been doing today and uh, you want to throw something at Fursey that maybe you you know you had to have this opportunity now over the years 
Uh, yeah, I'd like to know how in the hell you knock in a 45-foot putt when you have to. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing I would really like to learn is how you hit the ball 290 yards down the fairway still with two shoulders that are fixed and two hips, and I hope this hip works out for me like that. But <laughs> I've had so much fun playing golf with Fierzy over the last uh, five, six years. We've got together three or four times. He's been He's invited me out as a guest at Mayfair, and We've had some crazy games down there and just enjoy playing with the man. He's uh, He works the ball left to right, right to left, and uh, fun to play with. And I'd like to know how in the hell he makes those 45-footers. Well, Grant, you better answer yeah, the blind squirrel theory helps once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, I got one more uh, text that came in, and uh, I'm going to throw this out. What the hell? From Bob the Builder. Uh, can you ask Ron uh, uh, this? If he remembers this, uh, he was golfing. I golfed with Ron and his wife and brother, brother-in-law in uh, Spruce Grove. Spruce Grove. Yes, in Spruce Grove. Oh, Grill. my God. <laughs> okay, I'm going with it now, Tide. Uh, Ron was showing his wife, Linda, how to chip onto the green. He stood off to the side. His wife towed it and it hit him right in the nuts. Ron commented on how he had been hit, had not been hit that hard since a game in Minnesota. So you remember this well, Ron. Oh, yeah, I do. Are you kidding me? It was probably Linda's most embarrassing day of her life on the golf course because she was a really hell of a good golfer. She just opened up the toe a little bit. But holy man, like I was down the ground doing the double roll for about five minutes. And I, I think I might even swore at her. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, man. Uh, that's funny. How long, that's really how long ago funny. was that, Ronnie? Oh, Christ, I don't know, that's probably 20 years ago. Oh, man, that's a good that's story. That's funny, Bob the Builder, tell him I said hi. I will, I'll, <laughs> I'll send him a message. He's been waiting, uh, I think, waiting for a half an hour to talk about this story. So, Oh, my God, <laughs> I can't believe somebody remembered that. Uh, you know, Ronnie, thanks so much for your time today. I just I love doing these interviews with you know old teammates and old friends because that's what it's all about. I mean, you guys still stay in touch a lot, and um, you have so much in common being... Uh, uh, you know, great friends and, and great Oilers. So I uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. And speedy recovery with, recovery with the hip. Oh, it's going to come around. And uh, Fierzy, you take care of yourself, and I'll be down there in eight weeks. <laughs> I look forward to it, pal. Okay, buddy, take care. All right, that's uh, Ron Lowe, former Edmonton owner, goaltender, and coach. And again, you know, that that's a very... You know, and he's talking about going into suites and being an ambassador, taking over for Dave Semenko. Grant, don't you think like when, you know, all, it's funny, that's how humble a guy is. Wouldn't he even know who I was? Like, you know, and he's talking about, you know, those times in, you know, against Dallas and Colorado. Those were two, two, three years of great, great part of Oilers history. So what, what, what do you think when he was talking about that, Grant? Yeah, I mean, the fans of Edmonton are phenomenal. That's the one thing. They don't forget any of that. And when you expect that they've forgotten, they don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I run into people down here in the desert all the time during the winter, and all they want to talk about is oiler history. Yeah. So it's fun to sit and talk to them. And at the rink, I run into a ton of people down here, mm-hmm. and we end up in conversations about the Oilers and different things. And it, it's fun to know that the fans care that much. Yes. And I think that's the great part about Edmonton. Is I've played in some markets where fans don't care. Mm-hmm. And – the great part is they care. It's also the hard part is they care. 
So as a player, you have to appreciate the fact that they actually care. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987, trustram.com. And uh, Ron Lowe has elevated his game, elevated uh, a lot of parts. And again, just talking with, you know, again, with Hockey Helps the Homeless with his wife, Linda, did such so much work behind the scenes to, to keep that um, uh, initiative going, to keep that fundraiser going. Uh, with all the cooperation, again, uh, Linda did so much work. It's it's hard to explain. And and even Ron, to mention a guy like uh, Chris Lachance uh, to do the dinners. He's done. Uh, Chris Lachance at Century Hospitality Group does tons and tons of dinners. We were at uh, the last tournament, uh, Grant Craig Simpson's tournament, and it was one of those where people are bidding, and it's up to ten thousand dollars for for a dinner. And someone goes, "Can you do two? Yeah, okay, we'll do two. So you know, just to donate like twenty thousand dollars worth of dinners. Uh, kudos to Chris. He does a lot for our city uh, as well. Uh, when we come back, no, Chris, Chris uh, has done that for a long yeah, time. he has. You're, you're right. Exactly. And I mean, you know, from century grill to all the like Smitty's restaurant, you know, Smitty's bar, the 94 and everything. Uh, Lux, there's been tons of them, hundred. It's hard to keep track of them, but uh, uh, when we come back, <laughs> it is, isn't it Grant? You know, cause there's been so many of them in the hospitality, in the century hospitality group. So, um, uh, when we come back, uh, we'll touch uh, on a little bit more with uh, the Oilers as they get ready for a big game tonight. Uh, it's Kevin Carey's Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Kevin Carey's Grant Fear on Sports 1440. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Grant? It's always fun. Yeah, I mean, Low Tide's such a great person. It's fun to sit and talk to him. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's from Birdle or Fox Warren just on the other side of the border in Saskatchewan I knew a lot of guys that are about the same age as him and when I first met him I told him and this was you know when I first met him in you know 97 or whatever it was I told him I said you know I know these guys well he goes I know all those guys like the way he was like, I'm that's where I'm from he goes you know I know all these guys and there's like yeah yeah I mean there was again a guy named Billy Flynn he used to stay at our house when he was playing back in the uh, Malibu Millionaire days in the, I don't know, it was 75, 76, kind of in that area. Text coming in, one 1440 Great interview with Ron, guys. Awesome to hear him. Uh, that comes from Graham. Uh, this one kind of to you, Grant, from Mr. Magoo. Speaking about Spruce Grove, I met Grant at Jack's Burger Joint with my son. He says, he, he says he's never seen me more excited in my life, and he was right, so... Uh, text, uh, you know, that, and again, that's you were talking about the interaction with fans, and it's such an important part for for guys like yourself and and Ron that uh, are able to do that still. So you know, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was important when we first started playing, and it's remained important ever since. And the the fans are part of what creates you, and it's the one thing you can't forget. So yeah, it's I still enjoy interacting with the fans. Yeah. So that the year that you guys played together was 81-82. Uh you played 48 games that year, Grant, and Ron Lowe played 29 games. So um your minutes were 2847. He was 1554. So I mean, it wasn't like it was a heavy workload for yourself I and mean, you were just coming into the league as well, but uh, just can you touch on that dynamic that first year again, just between the two of you, how, you know, a veteran goalie and, and yourself coming into the league? Oh, no, I'm just an 18 year old kid learning more than anything and probably played more games than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. So I, and that was the fun part is I get to hang out with Ronnie every day. You watch him practice, you watch his habits around the rink. And as an 18 year old kid, you're like a sponge, you're soaking it all in. So, I mean, I think that's, that was the great thing is, you couldn't ask for better leadership. Mm-hmm. 
And then I get him as a roommate on the road. And again, you can't ask for better leadership. I get to hang out with him. I hung out with Hunt, Samank, Gary LaRiviere. So it was an interesting cast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when he was saying, uh, Grant, when Ronnie was saying about uh, Slat saying, you know, we have a young guy down here on the farm in Nova Scotia, Daryl Ray. We want you to kind of, you know, keep an eye on him. I would imagine Slats would have said the same thing to Ronnie at that time about you. Oh, most definitely. I mean, I, I assumed I was just coming to training camp and then going back to play junior. And the fact that I ended up staying there and lucky enough to be from there so I could live at home my first year, that was the other thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, to have a mentor like Ronnie made a world of difference. So you lived at home for the first year? I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Hey, home-cooked food. Yeah. At 18 years old, all the home-cooked food you can get. So, I mean, what was that like, I guess, you know, being 18? So you're living at home. Was there opportunities? Like, I mean, you hear a lot of guys that, you know, would go live with a veteran or something like that. But how did that all kind of come down with you? Yeah, no, I mean, I moved away at 16 to go play junior. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to move back home and catch home-cooked meals and get your laundry done. All those things that most 18-year-olds have to go find somebody to do it or find a way to do it yourself. I kind of got spoiled. So I could just worry about hockey. That was it. And then, so was was Ronnie Lowe your roommate for the entire season or how did that work? Yeah, he was my roommate the whole year. Wow. So all the road trips, go for dinner with him and... You listen to all the stories and how much fun they're having at the games around the rink, and it can't help but rub off on you. Mm-hmm. And that year, I mean, Wayne Gretzky has 212 points. You're 18. You must be going, like, is this this normal? No, I get to see it every day. So you knew it was normal. <laughs> I think that's the other thing is you got to see it every day and you get to practice against it every day. So you realize how good they were. You knew how good Gretz was. You knew how I knew how good Mess was. Mess was, I practiced with him out with the Spruce Grove Mets because his dad was running the Mets the year they won the Centennial Cup out there. Yeah. So you get to see you get to see the guys and realize how good they really were. And and we've talked about Paul Coffey a lot. Paul Coffey only had eighty nine points that year as a twenty year old. Twenty nine goals, sixty assists. Man. Again, just you must yeah, have been going. Oh. We didn't lack for offense. I mean, yeah, we may have played a little helter-skelter at our own end sometimes, but there was no shortage of goals that were going to fix the odd issue. But your goals against that year, Grant, 3-3-1. Three, three, That's pretty darn good. Yeah, back in the 80s, that was okay. Cool. I mean, we were going to give up a lot of chances, and we gave up some goals, but at the same time, we won a lot of hockey games. And again, that's my favorite statistic is everybody's hung up on – Statistics. Well, there's only one that still matters. Yeah. Whether you win or lose. Win or lose. That's exactly right. And, you know, you're 18 coming in, but Wayne Gretzky's 20. Glenn Anderson's 20. Um, Paul Coffey's 20. Mark Messier's 20. So would it, would it have been different for you had guys been a little bit older, do you think? Or because you were all the same age, did it work better for you being a, a young 18-year-old? No, no, it was better for me. I mean, obviously, being the baby of the group at that time, I, you're only two years younger than everybody else. So, I mean, we had Lee Fogelin, Ronnie, uh, Gary LaRiviere. I mean, those were probably the three, Stan Weir. Mm-hmm. Those were some of the veterans that we had. And they were still, I think, at that time, probably late 20s. So it wasn't an old team at all. And the fun part is we all kind of grew up and learned together. 
We're going to take a quick break, Grant, because we had a long uh, little chat with uh, Ronnie Lowe. So we'll take a quick break. We'll uh, come back to wrap things up. and We'll, we'll talk about tonight's uh, Oilers Vegas tilt uh, when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the uh, home stretch here on Sports 1440. Kevin Carries along with Grant Fuhr and the Hip. Fuhr, you must have seen uh, the Hip a few times over the years. I got to see him a couple of times. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to as a good Canadian. Oh, you know, did you know? Do you remember where you saw them? Was that out east? Were you in Toronto at the time, or was it out here? I saw him once in Toronto, and I saw him once in Vancouver. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, as good as it gets when you think about uh, Canadian music. Uh, Oilers in Vegas tonight. Oilers will basically have the same lineup. Stuart Skinner in goal as uh, as expected. But uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins with McDavid and Hyman. Uh, Kane with Dreisaitl and Brown. Fogel, McLeod and Ryan. And then Janmark, Hamlin and Ernie up front. Uh, you know what, Grant? I wanted to get your opinion on uh, James Hamlin. And this is a guy that, you know, boy... He's really working for everything he's he's uh, accomplishing right now, deserving everything. So, as a being a local guy as well, you kind of you know what it takes to to play in front of you know Edmonton fans and being a homegrown guy. What's it? What do you? What's impressed you about James Hamlin right now? I think the work he puts in. I mean, he's playing those hard grinding minutes that third and fourth line guys do, and it's an underrated position. You get none of the credit, but you do a lot of the heavy lifting, especially as you get closer to playoff time, whereas everybody knows the stars come playoff time, but it's the third and fourth lines that do the heavy lifting in the playoffs, and those are the guys that have to contribute. He's done a great job of that. And what a wonderful story, you know, the goal that he scored in Tampa Bay. Then he scores the one here the other night, really, and it was a strong defensive play, too, to start the play uh, behind his own net. So just even, it's it gives you that feel-good uh, story, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a good feel-good story, and it's also shows that a commitment to defense still can lead to offense. Yes. I think that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. So you can take your top lines, have a look at that, and you see that good defense creates good offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor McDavid, five points uh, against Anaheim, four points uh, the prior game against uh, Washington. You would think that he's kind of really finding his groove right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with he's 100% healthy now. <laughs> he's, he's found that gear again. And obviously, as his confidence grows, it's only going to get better and better. And he proved that last year that, just when you think he's hit the top of the ceiling, there's always seems to be a little bit more. And you look at his last couple of games and there's definitely more. Mm -hmm. Is there something that in particular that you saw? I mean, everyone is talking about his health. I I personally thought his, his weight was down uh, a little bit from the start of the season. We saw an interview on, on Friday that Gene Principe did that had to do with, uh, you know, hockey fights, cancer, Uh, an interview that was shot in September. And you could see that he was, he seemed to be a little bit, um, heavier in the face, if you want to call it that. But he seems to be back on track, just like Leon Dreisaitl. And you've seen Leon score so many of those goals, Grant. And we talked about goaltenders sliding from post to post when Leon scores on the one-timer, you know, mostly on the power play. But he he was missing those attempts and for some reason fanning or going wide. But he really pumped one home against Anaheim. Uh, Is that just one of those things where you just kind of finally got your groove back? Or how, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, he gets a lot of opportunities from that spot. And he's in a spot where most people think that he's far enough out that he's not really dangerous, but he's got that good shot. And he's usually pretty good at getting that just inside the post. 
And I think at the start of the year, you saw they were just missing on the outside of the post and he's got it back to that inside of the post. And for goalies, it's a long movement mm-hmm. going from one side all the way and having to go all the way past, almost past the post to cut that angle off. But again, also, if you're a goaltender, you know, he's there and you can't just assume that he's going to miss the net. I mean, he's too good out of shot, too good of athlete to continue to keep missing. He's going to hit those spots at some point. Yeah. Kevin Carey's Grand Fury on Sports 1440. I think, Fury, you always said that, that that if he's lower down, uh, whoever it is, if it could be on the right side, if it's, say, an Ovechkin or a dry side, those are two of the best from either side. Uh, it's a harder stop for the goalie when he's lower down as opposed to the one-timer more so in the slot? Yeah, you'd rather have the one-timer in the slot because it's less of a movement and it's easier to read. Having to go all the way across, you've got to find your read looking through a bunch of bodies because you've got a bunch of bodies between you and him. And if he's not there when you first glance over, then you almost think he's not there and he seems to slide in just at the last second. So it just makes that read that much tougher. Mm -hmm. So Stuart Skinner gets a start tonight. What would you be looking for Stuart to kind of keep intact uh, uh, going into tonight's game with Vegas? Um, you know, I think all components of his game have steadily improved since the start of the year. But what are you looking for from Stuart Skinner tonight? Just a continuance of that. I mean, yeah, he had a little bit of a tough start to the season, but you also have to realize he was in the running for rookie of the year last year. Yeah. Your talent doesn't disappear. It's not a magic act. And yeah, it's your second year. Everybody has a tough start to their second year. That's just the way it is. And he's starting to get comfortable. He's starting to find himself and he's playing well. And he's going to get better and better as the year goes. You know, last night we saw William Carrier bump into Dan Vladar. A pretty good shot right off the hop. And, you know, Calgary had their e-bug goalie uh, in uh, Dustin Nickel in. And everyone's going, oh, man. Like, you know, that was a pretty good shot that Vladar took. Do you think Vegas goes to the net harder with some bigger ball? They have a bigger team. I think Vegas is a bigger team than most. Do you think they go harder to the net than most teams? And how does a goalie react to that? Yeah, they do have a bigger team, and they're very good at going to the net. I think that's the other thing. I mean, when teams struggle to score, you're going to see them even going more and more to the net, where they're going to take some chances of bumping into a goalie because you want those ugly goals. But as a goalie, you can kind of take advantage of that as well. And if you're out in the top of your crease, you can take advantage of the traffic a little bit, especially in today's game when we still have the mystery of goalie interference. (laughs) So, I mean, the way it is today, you can take advantage of it. If you want to be an aggressive goalie and get out in the traffic, you could pretty much get that call anytime you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, So your week shapes up like uh, how? San Jose Barracuda, and that's a home game tomorrow for Coachella Valley? Yep, we get get San Jose here tomorrow night, and... Then we've got, what do we got? The rest of the week off, I believe. And then I think if I look closely, we've probably, we got a busy December coming up. Mm -hmm. So that's always fun. Yeah, I think it's a road game for you guys on the weekend. So just a home game for you tomorrow. I think you go on the road on the weekend. That's a pretty quiet home schedule right now. Yeah, just, just the way it goes. That's the scheduling in the AHL. That's how it goes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we get San Jose and then we got... We go to Ontario, and then Ontario's back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so other, we don't have a whole lot of travel coming up. Yeah, one other uh, player I wanted to just, uh, and I forgot to ask you about, was Devin Shore. He's kind of been up and down, and, of course, former Oiler. Uh, what have you seen from Devin Shore in the last little bit? Devin's a great veteran, and he's playing really good hockey. And a little snake bit around the net, but at the same time, he's getting lots of opportunities. And it, What I didn't realize is he's a phenomenal penalty killer. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job on the penalty kill, and 
he can play on any of your four lines. He fits in all the lines, which is really good. And I think that's a lot of why Seattle signed him. And you've seen him go up, play in Seattle a little bit, and he's back with us right now. But I'm pretty sure you'll see him back in Seattle before the year's out. Mm-hmm. Hey, Grant, uh, thanks once again so much for uh, co-hosting on Tuesdays. It was a lot of fun with you, and uh, Ron Lowe, appreciate it. Uh, Have a good call tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Grant. I look forward to it. That's our co-host every Tuesday, 9 to 11, Grant Fuhrer, the uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, now does color commentary for the Coachella Valley uh, Firebirds. So thanks to Ryan Kennedy, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, Paul De La Santos, and of course Ron Lowe, the former uh, goaltender and former Edmonton Oiler coach. Some great stories with Ron Lowe uh, today with uh, Grant Fuhrer. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... Former Rochep Tiber. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn at 12 o'clock. The other low tide, Ron Lowe, was on earlier, but now we've got Alan Mitchell uh, coming up 12 to 2 uh, with uh, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. And then 2 o'clock, uh, Jason Greger takes us home on Sports 1440 with the Jason Greger Show uh, from 2 to 6. Uh, tomorrow, David Schlemko will be our co host from 9 to 11. Thanks so much for your text. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, Oilers in action tonight with Vegas. We will have a full report, a full post game report. Uh, tomorrow morning uh, at 7 o'clock. Again, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Coming up next is uh, uh, the Duke and Connor Halley with Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here is a Sports 1440 update with the Duke of Delmer.